Amen. God, you are holy, and we just declare that you are. Um, as we open the word, Lord, we just pray that you be moving in our hearts and just guide us to all your truths, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, um, if you want to join me, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. Um, just so you guys know, we're going through basically the life of Jesus, and we're kind of going through different little sermons going through it. This week, we'll be discussing the temptation of Jesus that he goes through with Satan. As you guys are turning to that passage, um, just some um, who, what, when, where, why, how, all those things. We got Jesus here. He's going to be the one tempted. The Holy Spirit is leading him, and Satan is there trying to tempt him. What's going on is the temptation. He's being led there. Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist. We didn't discuss it in this series that we're doing because it was just kind of an action that happened, not really Jesus teaching or his words going on. But Jesus was just baptized. The Holy Spirit just came upon him. And after the Holy Spirit came upon him, now Jesus is being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for this temptation. Um, the different places we're going to be seeing is he's led from the Jordan River, which is on the east side of Israel. And then he's going to be led into the wilderness. We don't know where that's at. And then up in the air on whether he's actually brought up to a high mountain or actually to Jerusalem, which we'll get into a little bit when we're further in, but whether it was a vision or it was a real thing. But that's what's going on here. The how to it is he's led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one leading Jesus into this place. And the why, which I think is the most important, is for him to be tempted, and it's to basically prove himself, to show that, hey, you, he is the Son of God, that when the devil comes and tempts him, he is pure, he's blameless, there is no fault with him. So this whole like point, this whole time is kind of just to show this is the Son of God, this is Jesus Christ the Messiah because he is perfect. And I think this puts to rest any ideas like maybe if this occasion didn't happen, happen people might be like saying like, was he the Son of God? Did he actually get tempted? Did the devil actually come at him? This kind of puts that kind of stuff um, to, the, to death basically that it's not even a thought. But we see that Jesus is put through the most rigorous temptation, but even through all this stuff, Jesus is blameless, Jesus is holy, he's perfect. So let's start in Luke 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness, for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during these days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. I'm reading in the NASB, just in case you guys know. There might be a little differences. And he led him up, verse 5, And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he left them until an opportune time. So it starts off, guys, I, I want to hit this point, is that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is leading him into the wilderness to do this. And the first point to uh, bring out is that Jesus is obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. And, and this is important because, guys, he kind of knows what he's going into, 
and he's still being obedient, guys. And I like to see that in the beginning of his ministry right here, right when he's going to be starting, the Holy Spirit's bringing him to a hard thing, uh, basically a hard trial, and he's obedient to go to that trial. And we're going to see later on in the end, I know you guys know this story, spoiler alert, that Jesus is going to go to the cross and he sweats great drops of blood and he's yet again being obedient to the Holy Spirit, even praise God, if it, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. So no matter the trial, the main point is Jesus is obedient to the Holy Spirit no matter how tough it is. And we see it from the beginning even to the end. So it says, Jesus was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And it made me start to think, like, I don't know if you guys are like me. I kind of just thought, like, oh, there's just these three temptations that happen. But it's like there's this 40 days of fasting, and it's like 40 days of temptation. So there could possibly be more than just these three, but these three are either notable or the biggest ones out of them all. So it's more than just these three. And it says at the end of the 40 days that he hungered, and a lot of people believe that's like the weakest point, like after you're fasting and your body is hungry again, it needs food. And if we look at who's writing this book, it's Luke, and he is a physician, so he kind of knows what's going on with this stuff. So he includes this point in here that after the 40 days of fasting, Jesus is hungry again. So the sly devil, as he is, likes to come in and tempt Jesus at this point. And he says, if, or the word since, you are the son of God, Tell this stone to be bread. And we see Satan here challenging his divinity. Are, are, you, are you the son of God? Can you do this? Can you change this thing? And Jesus responds, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And in Matthew's account, it includes this, and the King James Version includes this, it's but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus is quoting directly out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And I think this is a great example that we'll see in the next maybe few weeks when Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about don't be like the people who seek after food and clothing and stuff like that, but seek first the kingdom of God and, and these things will be added unto you. And so in this circumstance, it's like God, the Holy Spirit has led him out here to fast. He's supposed to be fasting for a reason and for a certain amount of time by God's leading. And Satan is trying to tempt him to kind of stop it early and he's basically saying, no, I'm seeking God first, and he'll take care of me with the rest. So that's the first temptation. The second one in this story is Satan leads Jesus up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moments of time. And in Matthew, it says he led him up to a high mountain. And there's kind of debates about whether it was actually a physical or if this is all just a vision. But either way, we're seeing that Satan is going to be presenting this whole all the kingdoms to him. And I kind of relate it to, uh, you guys ever watch like TV series, like if you're far along in the series, they'll have a little show recap. It's like previously on this show, like, and it'll kind of show you a flashback of like what's happened in the past like five seasons and all in like two minutes of time. And that's kind of what I envision here is like Satan's like, look, here's this kingdom, here's this kingdom, here's this, and just kind of flashing before his eyes. And then it's like, I'll give all this to you if you bow down and worship me. And when he s offers these kingdoms, I found it interesting. He says, like, the domain and the glory, it's the word exousia or exousia. It's the same word that's actually used a lot for the power and authority the Holy Spirit has. And that's what it means. It's authority or power. So Satan is saying, I will give you the authority and the power over all these kingdoms. And it says that Satan basically has rule over it. And we see that it was handed over to him, and I won't get into this, but at the fall when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they basically gave this authority over to Satan. And yet again, 
Jesus will come back and deal with this and retake everything. But at this current time, Satan is the ruler of this world, and Jesus even reiterates that in John chapter 16, saying the ruler of this world is Satan. So Satan has the authority, the exousia over these kingdoms. And Satan tempts him and says, if you want to have this exousia over these kingdoms, you have to worship me. And maybe you guys, at least from coming to church, when you think of worship, it can be singing songs, which is one form of doing it. But the word here means to kiss the hand or to bend the knee or to bow down. And that kind of brings us more to like, when you think of like the stereotypical cult worship of people like bowing down, that's kind of what it's meaning. Is, and what you're doing is you're pay, paying homage to a superior person. So Satan's asking Jesus, bow down, get on your knees, and basically declare that I'm God and pay this homage to me. And Jesus answers, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And that's from Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 14. And I like the King James says this, get thee behind me, Satan. And even in the Matthew account, he says, be gone, Satan, beat it. Which I was like, beat it, get out of here, I ain't worshiping you. Like, I'm worshiping God only. I don't want to hear any more of your stuff. Verse 9, we see Satan leads Jesus up to Jerusalem and to the very top of the temple. And this is the second temple which King Herod built. And they're saying it could be up to 150 feet tall. And I won't get too much into the details, but there could be even a point. There's a valley on the east side of the temple called the Kidron Valley. And so it could be even higher. But the point that's being here is that there's this very high point that Satan's bringing Jesus to and saying, basically, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And there's no way he would survive on a physical or literal sense. And Satan quotes this psalm from Psalm 91, verses 11 through 12, and he says, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So we see Satan here quoting scripture to Jesus. And one little quick point, I'll touch on it more later, is just because someone quotes scripture to you doesn't mean they're giving godly advice. Be careful of that. And I want to repeat that one more time. Just because someone quotes scripture to you doesn't mean it's godly advice. Jesus once again quotes Deuteronomy. This is chapter 6, 16. It says, it is said you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And it's basically to put God's character or power to proof, to try and get him to prove that he is powerful or will you live up to your character. And, and to point out here is Jesus' death, you guys, the whole point he came, I'm sure you guys know this, was to come and die for our sins on the cross. And kind of this whole point right here is like you jumping off and committing suicide if God doesn't act, you're dying before your time, which totally takes away the whole point of you coming. Or God will intervene, but you're trying to tempt him to basically, as you fall, to stop you and maybe initiate this process that which isn't God's plan at that time. But we see that when Satan finished every temptation, and obviously, or what we assume, there's probably more than just these three, it says he departed for an opportune time, and it seems like he keeps an eye on Jesus waiting for this opportunity that any kind of weakness, any time to kind of slip in there. And this kind of reminds me, guys, I don't know if you guys remember like the, the uh, get behind me Satan part, but there's a part in Matthew 16 where Peter tries to tell Jesus not to die, not to go die for their sins. And he says, get behind me, Satan. And I just found it like super ironic. Like we see Satan here trying to like thwart God's plan, but like, hey, try kill yourself right now and see if God answers and it's like, and Satan's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But then later on, he's trying to tell Jesus, don't go kill yourself. Don't do it. We, we don't want you to die. For, like, and it's just like the same thing. Jesus answers, oops. Jesus answers him and says, it's like, get behind me, Satan. It's like, I'm here to do God's plan, not your plan. A couple verses, or just one verse I want to share re related to this is James 4, 7. And Jesus 
does this perfectly is submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And what we see right here is Satan tempts Jesus. Jesus quotes scripture at him, resists him with the scripture and, and he's submitting himself to God's word and the devil flees in the end. And at the end of this account, in Matthew's account, it shares that the angels came and ministered to him, um, which most likely means that they brought food and nourished him. So God's timing was the whole point of this. It's like he didn't need to make the stones into bread because in God's timing, he was going to bring these angels here to come and nourish him. So, yeah, I just wanted to do like a 15-minute message tonight. So I got three points. So um, stick with me. We'll go by them fast. If you guys want to write them down or just remember them. But the first point I want to bring up is the importance of knowing God's word. And I really want to reiterate here the importance of knowing the Old Testament. Um, I don't know if you guys caught, as I shared, the three times Jesus spoke, they're all out of the book of Deuteronomy. And, and that's the Old Testament. And I think that's so important to basically, it's new and the old for quoting scripture. And another, like a sub point of this point of the importance of knowing God's word is we need to know the word of God better than Satan knows the word of God. And I'm going to say this again. We need to know the word of God better than Satan knows it because he knows it real well and he will use it to manipulate you. And to encourage with that, it's we need to know not only the content of the word, but the context of stuff, guys. It's, and that's really important. Whenever you're any Bible teachers, if you guys have taught, you know that is very important to know the material and what's going on in it and how this applies to the situation. But not only that, guys, but we need to know the whole Bible and not just the parts. Because Satan, what he's saying right here to Jesus is if you fall, the angels will catch you, which is true. They will. And that promise was going to be fulfilled. So in the content and context of it, it's true. But the part is, is he's using a certain part of the Bible and not looking at the other parts that says, do not tempt the Lord your God. So that's why we need to know both areas. So Satan's quoting Psalms, and Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. So you need to know both to know the context of the whole Bible. I know that's a lot, but I encourage you guys with that Bible reading. And final sub-point of this point of knowing God's word is we need to know the word, and we need to know the word. And I hope you guys catching the point. Jesus is the word, so we need to know the word, the actual the, the meaning of the context, the content, and we need to know the word Jesus Christ. So number one is the importance of knowing God's word. Number two is identifying the temptation or the sin. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So I'm going to just break these three down. The lust of the flesh is basically to live life by your senses. So whatever your body's kind of craving or desiring your flesh is longing for that kind of stuff. That's what the lust of the flesh is. And we can see here an example in this case when Jesus is hungry and longing for food when he wasn't supposed to have it. Satan's trying to tempt him. Hey, you have the power to make this into bread and fulfill that desire of your body. But that wasn't God's plan in this. The second one is the lust of the eye. And that's basically you live life by what you see or what you desire. So when you look out and you're coveting and desiring stuff, that is the lust of the eye. And we see that in this scripture too that we're talking about as Satan shows him the kingdoms and shows him everything. And he's like, look at this. Look how magnific uh, magnificent it is. You can have this. I can give this to you. So that's the lust of the eye. You're seeing something and desiring it and take action for that. And then the third one is the pride of life, which is self-sufficiency, which is I don't need you, God, or ego, anything that's to build up your kingdom in a sense and not God's kingdom. And we see that with 
also with the kingdoms. We saw he said you can have all these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. And that's the, the pride of life right there. It's like I will give you this glory and rise you up if you honor me. And then also with him trying to jump off and he'd be saved. That's like kind of him proclaiming he's the Messiah and kind of getting that in action a little bit faster than it needs to be. So first point is the importance of knowing God's word. The second is identifying the temptation and sin. And the reason to identify it, guys, is so that you have the right scripture to be able to attack it. And that's the point. So if you can identify what the sin is, you can share like, hey, this person's trying to get me to steal. Well, I remember the scripture says thou shalt not steal. You know, and so when you identify it and you can see it, you can attack it. And then the third, my third and final point is just to remain pure, guys. And we see throughout the scripture, Satan just wants to corrupt the pure. We see it here with Jesus, and we also know, I'm sure you guys all know, Job is yet again another pure man that Satan just wants to corrupt and wants to see just fall. And guys, I want to share that with all of us here. It's like, as we live lives, godly lives, Satan just wants to come in and destroy us. That's it. He wants to show that we don't love him and that we're willing to just cave whenever anything comes around. And I, you guys hear that phrase, like, don't ask for patience because, like, God will give you opportunities to be patient and stuff like that and I think in the same sense it's like when we seek to be pure that means we become more a priority to Satan and guys I want to encourage you tonight even with the patience thing we shouldn't let that be a reason we don't we should seek to be pure because the point is that's what God wants for us and yes what that means is we get a bigger target on us because Satan's like I want to corrupt this person I want to show that they don't love Jesus and whatever but that doesn't matter we got to be faithful to our God and be obedient you know, Romans and 1 Corinthians talk about the first Adam a lot and compares that to Adam falling in the garden and the second Adam being Jesus fulfilling everything. And, you know, I see that here is the first Adam, when they were tempted by Satan, they ate of the fruit and sin came into the world. But we see Jesus, the second Adam here, he's tempted by Satan, but he succeeds in the sense of remaining holy, remaining pure. Just another example of Jesus being that second Adam and being perfect. I want to point out, too, the Lord's Prayer. It's a, uh, that one part in the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, guys. And I think this is important to pray every single day because the, the devil, we don't know when he's going to come at us, at what times, or what stuff our flesh might come at us. But the whole point is just seeking God and lead us not into this stuff, but deliver us from these things because we don't want to be in it. And then one personal note for this last little subpoint is just honoring our father in heaven and i've been going through on my own personal studies like the ten commandments and stuff and just you know it says honor your father and mother it's the first commandment with a promise that your days may be long but i think even taking this to our heavenly father we want to honor him because he's given us eternal life and the fact that when we honor him and honor his words like we have this promise of eternity with him so how much more we should honor him but two verses to end on and then we'll close in prayer and kind of get moving is first corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So whatever it is, guys, God knows we can handle it. We just got to seek him and trust him. And then last verse, 2 Peter 1.3, For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his excellence. So he's given everything we have everything by the power of the Holy Spirit, by his word, to, for life and godliness, to remain holy, guys. So all we got to do is submit to him. We just got to honor him. And we just got to humble ourselves before him and allow him to do his work and just be obedient, guys. 
So let's let's join. We're going to start uh, praying. And just a reminder, guys, I'm going to pray like four points, then I'll open it up for everybody to join in for prayer and stuff. But join me as we just, I, I have a few things. I just want to pray regarding this specific um, passage, and then we'll open the floor.